Hey guys and welcome to the TCC podcast where we discuss everything coffee. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good very early morning depending on where you are and what time you are listening to the TCC podcast. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> um, obviously, if you are listening to this, we hope that you have a really good cup of coffee um, with you. We have one of our favorite coffees with us today that we're going to use um, to just enjoy. Uh, we took some time, took four sips before we entered. So you are at the t- on the TCC podcast today with none other than myself, Mr. Christian. All the um, nicknames that you have already heard <laughs> that I will not remind you of again. And then to my left, obviously, is uh, Mr. Theo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, we. Uh, it is just the two of us today. Um, we get to talk about uh, a very, very amazing topic Ooh. that I was very excited about. <laughs> um, but before we get into our topic of the day, let's stop by the coffee. Thank you. If, if you're listening to this and you just went on our website, I know this was recorded weeks ago, but thank you very much. Yeah, my goodness, the notification just We just got a through. notification that you guys were checking out the site. We love it. Um, yes, so today's coffee. Obviously, we've talked about Theo not being a coffee drinker. He's mm-hmm. just a coffee taster. But there, has, there was one cup of coffee that I've made Theo before that he actually finished oh. and loved. And this is today's coffee. Um, and let me tell you it is pure strawberries and grapefruit man yes I love it (laughs) it is such a beautiful coffee Um, this is the one recipe that I've committed to memory that I will never forget because if I can get that reaction every time I will be (laughs) so satisfied no but the the coffee that we're drinking today is from uh, from Burundi Um, Mm. and I don't think we've had a Burundi yet on one of our episodes no I don't think we've done a Burundi let me just no, I no, I have no. not filled in any details on a Burundi. So this would be the very first Burundi on the show. Yeah, so this would be our first, <laughs> um, first, first Burundi, and then for all of our pedantic um, information hungry guys out there, we'll give you some. Um, it is from the Kayanza region in Burundi, from the Heza washing station, and it was grown on the Mutana Hill in the Kayanza region mm-hmm. um, at. 2,156 meters above sea level. Um, It was a very, very small range that they actually chose to pick. And there were about 1,500 pickers involved actually in the picking of the coffee. Community Um, based, man. And it was, and the coffee is from Long Miles Project. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with Longmouth Project. I've tasted one or two of their coffees. I've not actually had a lot of well, any interaction with them as oh, of yet. Phenomenal, phenomenal people. They are, I would say, they they send out into the world, in my opinion. Yes. The best Burundi coffees that I've ever tasted in my life. And this really have to we have to be honest. This is our favorite favorite coffee in the world, and this is from. Um, none other than our roaster, obviously, Sean. Yes, um, the roasting barista. The roasting barista <laughs> from um, Roast of Earth. Yes. Um, such, such a beautiful coffee. And we just had to take, you know, to properly introduce this coffee. It is so worth it. And we took just, you know, five sips to slow down, yeah, to just relax. Just to get into it, man. Just as we get into this episode to talk about, um, well, my first experience on a coffee farm. Now, just before you run to the coffee farm, yes, I know that you just mentioned that this is a Burundi coffee, but I'm not sure whether you actually uh, classified it as a 
pea berry. Uh, yeah, but it's a red barn <laughs> pea berry. Yeah, which so I actually did not mention mention yeah, and at all. And it's a natural process as well. Um, so it's got so that gorgeous, yes. beautifully thick body, um, chewy. That chewiness that we kind of mm. get from a natural process with oh, such beautiful, beautiful acidity elements. Mm. Uh, this obviously Sweet acidity. Um, just for the pedantic nature that I have was at exactly 1 to 10 ratio. So I had 30.2 grams of coffee. I finished on 302 grams of butter. To be exact, Mr. Pedantic, Mr. Pedantic is in the house. <laughs> um, in 4 minutes, 30 seconds yes. on 80 degrees Celsius. So it's gorgeous. Uh, and gorgeous. this is the recipe that we keep going back to for this coffee. We'll occasionally change it depending on how the coffee obviously changes with age. But this is the, for this coffee, this is a recipe that we go back to. Now, just for the guys out there that want a bit more information, if you ever do get your hands on the Long Miles Project Burundi Peaberry, uh, specifically from the Mutana Hill, it was roasted um, at, at about nine to well nine to nine minutes and ten seconds at about an eighteen percent development. It was taken out of the the roaster at thirty five to forty seconds after first crack, like official roll first crack, still cracking in the cooling tray. Yeah. So it's extremely light. But at a nine minutes, we got some beautiful colors from it. And my word, it is amazing. Now also to say, this was inside a Gisson roaster, which obviously yes. is very, very thick steel. Um, and this is why, like we said, we trust our roaster. Mm. Um, but no, so we're, okay. talk we're talking about uh, my first trip, obviously not Theo's first trip to the Mpignati coffee farm in KwaZulu-Natal. We thought, we thought we'll make this episode of a slightly more practical, personal experience episode just to you know throw something out there for you guys listening to you know for if, if in case you ever want to go to a coffee farm it is worth doing it so Tion's going to express his feelings and his experience to really get you hungry to want to go to the farm yes it's gorgeous um and i think what um, to start off is initially when I met Theo, he had been on coffee farms. He'd mm. done a, a bunch of courses with regards to coffee growing and processing and drying. Um, and I knew nothing, right? <laughs> um, I walked around with like medium to dark roast coffees. In well, you like knew you loved coffee. Man. Yes, I know. And I, <laughs> I, I thought that I loved coffee and I had like a, a kit bag with me, um, taking it everywhere. And then started talking to Theo with regards to, um, you know, what it's like on a coffee farm, what we're going to do. And then when we started talking about prepping for Barista Champs, he then said, listen, but then I have to take you to the coffee farm with me. Um, so comes to me excited. He's like, listen, so we're going to a new farm. Um, met this farmer. His name is Dez. Um, amazing guy. So mm. we get there and we meet the most amazing people. And I think I'll yes. talk a little bit about, we, we're gonna go into kind of the sciencey stuff about the coffee, but this is completely just experience yes. and how this changed my love of coffee. Um, different so, level. Eh? Yes, completely <laughs> different level. So we get there and I'm super excited, right? I take out all the coffee equipment. I'm gonna make them a cup of coffee oh. and it's late in the evening. So everyone <laughs> is like, and um, Lee is like, no, I'm going to bed. And everybody goes to bed, and there we are. I was so excited to make coffee for everyone. And everybody goes to bed. And it's like, no, they're tired. And and then I thought to myself, oh, they farm coffee every day, you know. They kind of get their fill of it, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
Especially Leonor Cappuccinos. Oh my goodness. My goodness, she loves Cappuccinos. And, and you know the moment we start slurping coffee that, you know, oh, she... her small toes would go reverse. Yeah, no. So <laughs> she gets, she really, you know, obviously she grew up in that environment. You don't slurp anything. And now we come with our uh, spoons. coming spoons and we sound like we're sniffing the coffee. So At 8.30 at night yes. in her kitchen. <laughs> um, I remember that. And, and I think what was so amazing, uh, first of all, is... Obviously, farm life starts early. Yes. It's not if you wait till seven, eight o'clock, you're not going to get half the work done. The sun is beating down on you. It's extremely hot. So we get yeah, up yeah, yeah. first morning, and as we head into the coffee fields, it is still dark, but the sun is coming up just just over the hills. Oh, I remember and that. We have this kind of you see, you know, they say that you can't hear a picture, right? Um, but we see that sunrise in, you know, the Lion King movie. Oh, and yes, you know yes. that, you, you know that, you know, it's like, <laughs> so it goes, like the whole Lion King thing goes on. And the sun comes over these beautiful, beautiful hills where the coffee trees oh. just as far as you can see. With the ocean in the background. Yes, in oh, fact, so, um, the farm, very low above sea level, but perfect, perfect environment. And so you're literally on the, you're um, driving through the hills and you're looking out over the ocean. So yes. what a view, right? But Man, now I miss the farm. Definitely. I, I, I still want to go back we, to the farm. We really do need to go back. Um, <laughs> Soon, we just need to open this next shop. <laughs> yes, but then, um, and I think what I appreciate it most is because we don't really know what goes into a cup of coffee. Yes. And that's, and that's I think, what we learned or what I learned on, on that first day more than anything else is what it takes to make a cup of coffee. So mm. um, let me be honest. I'm about, yeah, I'm one one eight. Uh, meters tall a little bit taller actually and then if you want to take it i'm i'm six foot flat right yes and these beautiful not the shortest guy in the world yeah but also <laughs> not the tallest but you'll understand why i'm telling you this the coffee trees that we were working on about your hip height were about like at my waist and so you are on a hill that is obviously at an angle and you're picking, looking for the perfect red, as pedantic as I am. It can't be a bit under, it can't be a bit over. It has to be cherry red, Ferrari, Coca-Cola kind of red. Because yeah, we want that perfect bricks. We want to play with and this also, coffee, man. And it's a katwai, it's a red katwai. So you want the you want the red in that cherry. <laughs> so now you're under these leaves, bending over, and w- half an hour, 45 minutes in, already I can feel this. This back is not, not used to it. bending like this. <laughs> We're against the hill. The sun is beating down on us. Um, it's fi- 20 past 6 in the morning. Yeah, 20 past <laughs> 6 in the morning. We start picking coffee. Um, and I think spending the whole day watching the pickers in their kind of environment, yeah. environment, seeing them interact with one another and actually getting to the tree. And let me tell you, if you are going to a coffee farm and you have the urge to eat the cherry and not necessarily throw it in the bucket. <laughs> you come, here it comes. Guys, you don't, have to listen to this. <laughs> don't judge yourself, okay? We've all done it. Theo eats half the coffee that we pick. Always, but I do keep all the beans. Though. Yeah, no, no. So obviously we do keep the beans, but we eat half the coffee. But obviously growing our trees here in Pretoria, um, we don't really deal with... Uh, fruit flies and worms and that kind of thing. <laughs> and after about the 25th or 30th bean that I um, I eat, I see Theo keeps popping them into his hands and I kind of don't understand why. And as I do it, 
I see the little worm inside, <laughs> and, and, and then I realized, oh my goodness, I have been chowing worm salad this whole time. Uh, luckily, he never knew it. But I, I have to be honest, from that point on, I was kind of a little bit more picky, and then eventually <laughs> I just got to the point, you know what, I never tasted them, I'm not dying, I'll just keep it's eating. It's extra protein, yes, man. man. And, but I do... and you know how much of a germaphobe I am. Yes, But no. now, obviously, it makes sense why I popped them to my hand first, because I knew we haven't sprayed for any... Um, fruit flies yes. as of yet at that point because at that point the coffee farm was in a very struggling position in the space of we had some um, leaf, leaf miners yeah. and they came through the farm and we lost probably about 80% of the harvest we were supposed to have yeah. we only had a, about a 20% harvest because of these, this leaf miner. Now, for those of you that don't know, um, on the on the blog post, we'll, we'll put all of the detail on there so you guys can actually see the photos. But it's this really, really tiny little worm that gets laid inside of the leaf. And it eats everything, in, everything inside of the leaf without you being able to see it. And then the leaf just dies and falls off the tree. Now, if a, if a coffee tree doesn't have leaves, it means he can't pull in any vitamin D, which means he can't work with the the glucose that he has yes which means it didn't produce close to the amount of cherries that it had to so it was a horrible horrible harvest but they survived it um yes. and this year we're going strong man we've sprayed for everything yeah literally um no and we are and oh man i'm so excited um <laughs> des keeps sending us these photos of the bl- uh, blossoms on the trees now he's teasing us with those beautiful lollipop colors that are getting through on the trees now yes. turning from and the new processing plant oh you see oh, so i'm uh, so jealous <laughs> uh, the moment we find somebody who can take over my job then i can <laughs> spend all the time experimenting with coffee but my word. um no i would miss people too much but yes definitely um i love the farm but i love people slightly more <laughs> yes um and i think one of the things that um moving on now just getting back to it was Seeing how I think committed Des was to coffee, taking into consideration that the coffee farm was not necessarily his mainstream of income. No, it's not. It's 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 hobby on his on the side for now. Yes, until um, it can afford to pay him. <laughs> and obviously, you think you have a perspective of what it's like on a coffee farm, right? So um, I grew up in an environment where a lot of my family were farmers. Uh, they grew corn. They had cattle. Um, so still we got, is. No, well, no, no. Yeah, a lot so of we, still are. A lot farmers, of yeah. yeah, a lot of my family um, are farmers and. You kind of think, you know, you, you know more or less what farming is. Um, I've burned blood red in the sun on a, <laughs> on a plow, so done it. And we get there and to see a completely different environment and to actually, and I love this. So obviously you guys can tell when we talk about how passionate we are about what we know about coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with regards to coffee farming, I know, still know absolutely nothing. Well, and, even me. Um, <laughs> And to see Des explain every single thing on the farm, why it is done like this, why the trees are planted on this specific hill with the grass at this height, why they're planted this far from one another. And yes. I loved seeing that passion. And for, and you could see the love and the care that kind of went into this farm. And then somebody who obviously has been a farmer for five years at that point and has wanted to farm coffee for a very long time Mm -hmm. having a conversation with him and being the most teachable person that i have ever met in my life 
him being both our seniors by quite a few years. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, more years for me than for you. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're about halfway down the line from yes. me. <laughs> um, but, and, and, and I think this really blew me away is because he gave us this freedom to go to take, you know, a 20 kg bag of coffee. Um, we spent sorting it, we experimented with it, looked for different colors, and that's where uh, my pedantic nature obviously kicked in and I really enjoyed it because if it was not a very specific shade of red, it had a little <laughs> bit of yellow, a little bit of brown, a little bit of purple, it goes to the other pile, and then we experimented with this, and we sat yes. on our bums for five hours in the sun, kind of sorting just the colors, not anything else, <laughs> just the colors. Um, putting them in the pulper, working with the guys, then, um, you know, allowing it to ferment, checking the fermentation, and seeing Theo, who now we said on this episode, is one of the biggest germaphobes that I have ever met <laughs> in my life. Take the honey that is obviously the secretion of the microorganism um, that is chowing, chowing the sugar of, off of the coffee bean itself. Yeah, imagine and, fermented mucilage, man. And then Theo puts it in his mouth and you can see he's, <laughs> he's fighting in his mind Not to, to, get, to get past the thought of him putting millions of microorganisms <laughs> in his mouth. And then going, wow, this is actually quite nice, but I'm not tasting it but again. cringing again on the inside. <laughs> and to find, for example, to find the mango and pineapple flavors oh, that came amazing. out of that honey... And which obviously was so, so interesting because where the farm was built, it used to be completely um, dominated by sugarcane sugarcane and macadamia farms. Yes. So the acidity in the soil is obviously completely different. And then... Mm. It's got going, the malic acid in, in the soil. So it creates these beautiful, beautiful stone fruit type of elements. And yeah, and mm. seeing, you know... Des's kids on the farm, not necessarily, you know, uh, his two daughters not being as involved, but seeing that little boy. Oh my word. Uh, up every morning at four. Yes, getting with his dad before he goes to school yeah. for two hours. Supposed to go to school, but he commits to to the coffee. And <laughs> and then also being in the fields, and then you see Hannah coming by on her bike at yeah, three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Now, and this is a 16-year-old teenage girl that does professional uh, endurance motorbike racing. Crazy girl, man. <laughs> so, what an interesting, crazy environment. But, And then, you know, going into our fully washed coffee, mm. to, and the batches that we did was, was so small that we didn't really use, um, you know, a bath or um, kind of a platform to wash them. We just washed them with our hands. So, we yeah. completely... Um, kept stirring them, getting the mucilage off to such a degree that after three days of letting it ferment, washing it, letting it ferment, washing it, that I had blisters on my fingers. <laughs> yes, remember that. Yes, I do now, remember now, that. The fun thing, you know, from an, he's now telling it from a personal experience. I'm obviously taking videos, which again, you guys can go and see on the blog. Um, and while you're talking like this, I'm actually tempted to maybe edit some of this stuff into the YouTube video. Um, so I'll see if I can get some time on my hands and actually put some of the footage in the YouTube video. So if you guys are um, keen to go to our YouTube channel, um, if you search it, it is fairly hard to find. Yes. You go through the website a lot easier. Um, so our website is available in our biography on the Instagram page, which is The Caffeine Community. Just hit the website, go in, uh, hit the little YouTube picture 
and we'll take you straight to the YouTube channel. Um, it's still very new, so it's hard to search for. Yeah. And um, if you if you type in TCC, uh, you get all of these other cryptocurrency coins and different things. So uh, yeah. anyway. You follow the website, it's easy to find. But so I'm taking these videos of him doing a Kenya double washed process. It takes him three days. So we ferment at night, get the mucilage loose, then wash it or throw the water out, then flush it for two, three hours. Him yes. standing, rubbing the coffee between his hands in these buckets. So if you're on YouTube, you can see these videos now. But um, just him working at this for days, third day looking at it going I have blisters on my hands I loved it and saying also I've had blisters on my hands before I've never really think um, I don't think that I've ever been afraid to work but to take you know something that was so slimy in the beginning that turns to the same texture pebbles. as a river pebble yes um, and seeing that process and and yes, if you think about it now, you're just listening to obviously me speaking, thinking, "Wow, this guy's such a coffee nerd. <laughs> how, how do you even get excited about something like this?" But I promise that at that stage, you already see the end result. Yes. So with each turn, with each bean, each defect that you kind of take out, and we did stand in the sun by the drying beds, even mm. after all of the processing was done, looking at. Uh, beans that were less dense, beans that yes. were cracked, all of those kinds of things, and already thinking, okay, cool, how is this going to affect that cup, right? So if I take this out, I can get that flavor just a little bit closer to what that person will enjoy. Yes. Um, and freaking out about it, there's not being distant, sitting in a bucky or doing something <laughs> far off. Sitting but next to us. Sitting next to us, yes. being there with us. Picking out coffee with a Zach joining us after school, coming to pick them out as well, yes. and me trying to explain to this this kid what we're trying to do, and and I, I only now realized that he was looking at me like, bro, I do this every day. You're trying to explain <laughs> this to me, um, which I actually so appreciated that he didn't look at this at the time, 23 year old guy, thinking, man, I pr I wish you knew what I knew, um, but spending time, you know, kind of working through that process and and after we were done i actually told Tia, i said listen man i have a new respect for what coffee farmers and processors and pickers go through yes because you never really know what it takes and this now being be honestly in kwazulu natal and i think our top temperature was like 27 degrees celsius yeah, it wasn't the winter but their winter is not the same as other places but, places. but still it was hot yeah it was hot but I can guarantee you that there are coffee farms in much hotter and more humid places. Oh, for sure. And man, and I think if you take a look at what um, some of the traditional clothing wear or the common clothing wear is in, for example, countries like um, Rwanda or so on, yes. it is much longer sleeves, trousers. Man, you must be dying of heat. So yeah, no. I wouldn't be able to there. No. So <laughs> I'll be taking the sunburn, man. Thinking about... <clears throat> What goes into making that one cup? Now, having done it myself, thinking about looking at the video of Barista Champs actually watching the Coffee Man movie by Sasa Sestek yes. on the coffee farm. On the coffee farm that very night. Yes. yes. And then hearing him talk about how they chose this coffee because it went through this process, how they worked with the farmer itself, finally actually understanding what it is like sitting on the bucket because your back hurts 
from bending over the whole time. You remember that? Yes, I he do remember. He was standing and picking for the first, let's call it three hours. And at one point he's like, Theo, my back's breaking. And he looks at me and I'm sitting on my bucket. And he had been sitting on his bucket for those three hours. The thing is, I've been picking for a few years. So <laughs> so I, he had to feel it first before I was going to tell him. And I, and I have to be honest, in the moment I was so frustrated. Well, like, why didn't you tell me this? And then afterwards I'm like, now you learned your lesson now. You have so much more of an appreciation So for much it. more respect, um, man. Because the other pickers don't sit on the bucket. No, no, no. They, they move stand. too fast. Yeah. Like they pick... We would we were picking like crazy. We got 20 maybe 25 kgs of cherries down between the two of us in the three days. Yes, the pickers on the farm picking between 20 and 40 kgs a day. Yes, by themselves. I'm going what? I'm never ever being called a professional picker no, in my life because I'm way too slow. Um, I mean we go we pick the morning. Des comes actually picks us up. Not, not like he does, um, so which he doesn't do obviously with the pickers. We go back to the house, we eat breakfast. Yes. When we get back, after 45 minutes of an absence, there are two brand new bags full of cherries yes. waiting, and the guys have moved on to a completely different hill. Yeah, we have to drive to the next hill to go and start repicking that um, <laughs> But then going actually, and this is kind of where, and this, this was such an interesting experience, um, listening to a podcast ourselves at that time yes because i mean the hill is huge there's only so much to talk about and let's be honest even though we try to be we're not the fittest guys right when you're bending over you're against the hill you've been picking for four hours we fit making coffee it yes. doesn't mean we fit picking coffee. No. So the conversations kind of get with raggedy Y'all know, breath. I'm struggling to breathe, the sun's so beating down. We listen to a podcast ourselves and at some point um it was about, I think, one o'clock the afternoon. Uh, on the last day, we were picking in the in the Katwai fields again. We had been picking F6 the day before. Yes. And then, some point, picking, 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 picking. And as I kind of my bucket's full, and I need to go look for Theo, um, and I and I am kind of over this heat, right? <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm over this heat. I didn't know what it takes for a cup of coffee to even reach me <laughs> and I look over this hill over the ocean and this fresh cool breeze hits my face oh, and and can smell it man <laughs> and that I think is where the appreciation of it sunk in yeah now going and that and telling Theo as well I don't think I will complain about paying for red honey process ever again yes. or even a fully washed process especially one that was handpicked, one that went through so many sorting processes, mm-hmm. a completely new um, appreciation for coffee itself, and then approaching each cup in that way. Now, speaking to people who buy a 86-point specialty from the Bahu uh, processing plant uh, right. in Bogoyu in Rwanda, and then they want to do a dark roast on it. And a part oh, of my goodness. heart dies. Now, obviously, Literally. like I said... We don't necessarily believe in a right or wrong, but I've tasted a light to medium roast and different kinds of roast profiles on that coffee before. Mm. And and a friend of ours, Wilden, was actually on the farm right. working with him in Rwanda, seeing um, the work that they go through. And now you want to burn that sugar so that it you know has that kind of smoky, ashy flavor Charcoal, to it, knowing what went into the cup. That just kills me on the inside. 
and thinking, my goodness, how would I feel if I had to pick coffee every day, process it every day, sort it by hand every day, get blisters every day, <laughs> and then somebody comes to visit the farm and tell me, hey man, listen, I love the coffee from this farm. Oh, I love buying that dark roast from this guy, and it's your coffee. I would, a part of me, I would smack that guy with a coffee tree, really. I would pick <laughs> one of them, and I would smack somebody with a full-grown coffee tree. Um, and, and it's not that we've got anything against dark roast coffees. It's just that dark roast coffees has its place. Don't go and take a speciality coffee that had so much labor that went into it and burn it to shiveries. It's so unnecessary. Yes. Think about, like I explained, the the thought that Des put into his farm. Yes. Right? So um, the trees were planted fur- far enough from one another that even when they are fully grown, they can move with the tractor and the trailer between yeah. the different lines Perfect and planning. not harm the trees. Yes. They used um, smaller trees planted next to the bigger trees so that the bigger trees can shade the smaller ones. They allow the grass to grow to a certain height so that the wind doesn't affect them. They yeah, used to protect the them, yeah. whole environment, the hills, the angles, everything that they used was to look after that that little coffee sapling. That's it. Um, because of his love for coffee, not because it was going to make him money. If you're in coffee farming, you know, right? You're no millionaire. <laughs> don't um, don't make no money, man. <laughs> um, but the love of it. So you think about the love that went into that, and mm. now you want to add sugar, or you want to add milk, or you want somebody to boil it for you. Um, and if you go check Theo's Instagram, you'll see we actually posted a video this week, obviously from when we're recording, but where I have a little board over my head that yeah, says... it's actually on TCC. It's posted on TCC. Oh, fantastic. Instagram so well. it's on TCC as well. It says, listen, the perfect cappuccino temperature is 65, not 100. Because <laughs> why? Why do you boil that thing to burn the sugars to such a degree? And also saying it being sent back after they added sugar to a coffee that, in our <sighs> opinion, doesn't necessarily need it. Yeah. And... Immediately, I think, my goodness, you have no idea what, what somebody it. went through. We actually told somebody, and I think we mentioned this, it takes about 400 liters of water that coffee goes through before you get your one cup. Yes. So it takes about 400 liters to make your one cup of coffee. And that's I don't it. think that even applies to specialty coffee. I think that is more closer to... Um, uh, well, that's fully washed, yes. So that's so, coffee that they used to create commercial coffee with. From the day you start, you plant the tree, all the water it takes, all the way, picking fully washed into your cup, 400 liters of water per cup of coffee that you make. Yes. That's crazy, man. So, thinking about that, then going, you know what, I want to make this an instant. I want to make this a dark roast. I want to... Um, oh, I want to infuse this with whiskey or brandy, or um, oh, you know, <laughs> you just gave me a flashback. <laughs> um, I want to do all this, and then we get a coffee like the one that we're drinking today. Oh, I mean, uh, 1,513 pickers involved in this from a project that really aims not just to get out good coffee, but to look after the community that's involved in making it. Yes, and we get such beautiful flavor by just taking into account what the coffee needs, not what we need. And yes, you're, you're obviously coffee drinkers, we want something specific as yes. well. But for the palate. Yeah, but for yes. our palates. But 
there's something that even that even a coffee needs that a roaster understands that a brewer understands that a barista understands and that you obviously as a coffee drinker especially if you really get into that coffee uh-huh. and you want to give the coffee what it needs and let's be honest sometimes what a coffee needs is not what you need which means we move on to the next coffee That's i actually it. wanted to mention this one of my favorite and you know this my favorite everyday drinking coffee I, and i don't mean a tasting coffee i mean a drinking coffee that i will drink a cup of yes I'll, it'll take me four hours to drink but the one that i don't appreciate drinking because i'm not a coffee drinker um is a k7 variety grown in hazyview oh but that is amazing coffee but and I heard that you have made it for everyone and given feedback to everyone on this K7, and I've not tasted it yet. Yes, but we haven't had a chance My to enjoy goodness, it. My goodness, this we sucks. Have, <laughs> we haven't had a chance to enjoy it together. But that's true. That's true. That for me, for example, is is my favorite everyday drinking coffee because what the coffee needed um, to get that flavor and what I need as a drinking coffee is the same thing. Is Theo necessarily going to drink that coffee? No, he likes this. Well, that K7. I picked with my own hands. Oh, but see, that's I different. did a yellow honey process. So it was fermented for uh, three days. So basically, just over um, 40, well, it was between 40. Between eight. 48 and 72 hours. Yeah, I think I think it was a 52 hours if I remember, if I, if I remember correctly, because I did like I think nine batches. I'll have to go back to my to my notes, but I think that one was fermented for 52 hours, taken out. So obviously semi-washed. So it's pulped with water, mm-hmm. wet pulp. Then I take that into the drum, just covered with a little bit of water, so I'm doing an anaerobic on it. Yeah. Letting it stand there for the 52 hours, coming back after, I think it was 48 hours, sticking my hand in there the very first time, rolling oh, it around, just mixing it. That an amazing feeling for you. Oh my word, it was so amazing. <laughs> Taking that, putting it out on the drying bed, um, so it can dry equally, just so that it's dry enough for me to, to then transport back to Gauteng where we live yeah. from the coffee farm. Now this was in Hazy View, um, which is Mapumalanga in South Africa. And so I brought it back, threw it out onto my drying beds here in Pretoria, and I did a, a, a shade dry on that coffee for 70 days. My goodness. Taking that out putting it into these bags, now resting. We did a fresh roast on it. So my appreciation for that coffee is greatly. Now, would I have a whole cup? Mm. Not necessarily, because it is, it's a, it's a, even though I really appreciate it, it, it bores my tongue after the fifth or the sixth yeah. sip. And that's why you have a different perspective on appreciation for that cup, because it's a good drinking coffee. Yes. It's something you can drink five times a day all day long and really enjoy it. And also, it's not going to make me the. It's not going to make me poor. Yeah, you know, it does touch my pocket a little bit, but you know, <laughs> it's not going to take all the coffee money that I have per month. Yes. Um, but yeah, and and even going serving a client a coffee that I can tell them, listen, I was involved in picking this coffee oh, myself. So the moment they ask me, listen, do you? What do you think about this coffee? I tell them, well, I picked it myself. Yeah, I'm let's start at the beginning. <laughs> I'm extremely biased. Um, but going to a coffee farm, experiencing it firsthand, seeing what it takes to kind of create that cup, um, obviously getting to know Des, getting to know the people on the farm, now looking at a cup and a completely different perspective, and not just a cup, the whole ecosystem. Yes. Looking at the environments that the people live in and now thinking, my goodness, coffee is, is the thing that we obviously choose to make our living off of. 
Well, try and, to. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to say try to. You always said there's no scarcity, there's only opportunity. Only opportunity, so, man. Um, and then realizing I never had enough appreciation for the people that actually helped to create the beverage that we choose to drink and enjoy every day. That's it. Um, so having a new appreciation. So getting obviously to to the questions that we try to answer in every episode. Yes. Why um, is this important? There's actually a very, very good answer to that is is understanding and I've, I know that we've mentioned on these podcasts a few times the traceability, the traceability, that the reason why it is as special and when I say special, I don't just mean special in the sense of it being special, but speciality wise, yeah. why it becomes so special is the traceability of the coffee itself. Now looking back after your first coffee road trip, yes. it's this whole experience of now you know what goes into it and yes respect is there more love is there more everything is there but the value of the coffee just yeah. went up and, and that's kind of i think the answer to the first question of of today's podcast that would be why this information why is this important well because now i really understand the value yes. that the farmers try and bring us but we look so past it now in our busy day you know daily lives and yeah. our schedules that we sometimes miss the value that they're trying to add to us yes. to give us something that's worth our money yeah and and i don't know for for me it's it's a very very close to my heart topic is the value that comes all the way from the farm to your pocket yes and and if you don't get the value for it then it's almost like it was in vain and, I'm, and but also just with regards to the value is knowing then how many people were involved and what they had to go through mm. we get to a place much easier of not looking at the price of a coffee bag and then saying you know what I think this is a little bit expensive now rather saying, go to the grocery store yeah, now saying also if somebody tries to charge you 300 rand a kg for commercial coffee more than they should that's obviously a completely different yes but if you take a look, you go to your favorite specialty coffee shop, you buy that red honey process, natural process, even a fully washed process. Um, and they tell you, listen, this is, it was picked by this many people, or it was grown on this farm, or it was this family. And I love this, from, for, especially um, with like the coffees that we've brought in from Colombia mm-hmm. that we get from Sabores. The fact that they tell us who the farm and its families are, yes. because those are the guys who they're the guys who stress about the harvest for the year. They're the guys who look after the pickers. They're the right. guys who try to improve. Have to do financial planning for the whole year ahead yes. with last year's harvest money. Like I love the fact that we can actually connect to those farmers. Yes. You go on Instagram, you send you know, uh, Ricardo or any one of those guys a message, they will personally reply. Yeah. Like I think it's necessary. And, and that's why I appreciate Sabori so much. Yes. Because they do that for us. Yes. And the fact that they can actually connect us with the farmers and that they know the farmers themselves, which yes. is really, really cool. The value. Um, yes. And, and I think getting now to the second question is... Um, How can this make the coffee better? And I think we kind of already, in the whole episode, actually touched right. on all three of these questions. Because knowing that... Especially when you get to the point where you start to analyze a cup of coffee, you know that this is how a natural reacts, this is how this reacts, a uh, fully washed acts, and this is how a honey process responds in brewing. Um, getting to know now, let's say for example, you start being that person that buys from a specific farm, right? right? Knowing this is what they do, 
not only can you make a better cup of coffee that tastes better and that you can brew more consistently, but there's a connection to it that is more than just a brown bean that you paid money for. Exactly. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I fell in love with coffee for the connection between people. So the fact that traceability gets me to that community being able to go to let's say for example and one of my favorite farms the la hermosa farm in guatemala and being able to just pop them um uh, a message on their about or they contact us part on their website or sending them a message on um instagram saying listen man i had your coffee from this roaster Loved it. this is the flavors that i got out it was so so amazing thank you mm. because how often do the farmers and the pickers actually know how much we appreciate it, right? They don't. Because they don't know who's buying their coffee. Right. They know that they work and slave every day. It's blood, sweat, and tears um, and to get it out. That's it. But the fact being able to connect to that community, and I think we'll come back to this point quite a few times, but mm-hmm. um, that, in my opinion, is is what makes it better. And then going into, so how do, how do I make this practical? Um, well... Get to learn about the coffee that you're drinking. Yes, and chat to your barista at your local shop where you buy it or connect with the website or even the farmer if you can and go, do you have any suggestions on this coffee? How how can I use the traceability that was given to me to connect back, so give value back to them saying I have your coffee yes. and them then adding even more value going, well, this is the way that we enjoy drinking it or you know, they can connect you to someone that can give you phenomenal ratios or or recipes or whatever to to, drew, to drink the coffee at. Like, yes. Um, it's, it, the traceability makes it possible to connect. Yes. That's what community is about. And um, and, and for, for anyone who is then a coffee professional who has a barista who is passionate about what they do. And, yes. And let's be honest, we do find people that, that do the job and they have bills to pay and, and we do understand that necessity as well. That's but a lot. Yes. Having someone who is so excited about the coffee. They want to tell you about what's going on. They want to tell you about where it's from and how it tastes, and they want to present it to you. Um, Giving that person the opportunity to learn more about it. Now, yes, not everybody has the opportunity to take their barista to a farm or to connect to a farmer, and and the fact that that is not a possibility actually saddens my heart, but I do understand um, how, you know, just having a realistic perspective, but taking that person, giving them an opportunity if they want to take it, to connect to to that space, to That's connect it. to a farm, or even just can I just or just allowing them to meet your green bean importers. Right. We met. I mean, the first time we met um, Jose um, from Sabores, and they were there at the shop, and we had a conversation. And how we learned so, both on both sides, we learned something brand new. We talked about how okay, cool. You know what? We would love it if you'd roasted this the sample a bit different because. I don't think that you're doing the coffee justice. Them now giving us samples oh my word. that Amazing are phenomenal, <laughs> not judging what they did, but the fact that they talked Feedback. about with such passion. And, and, and I have to say this, and then um, I think we'll end this amazing discussion because we can go on for weeks just oh, in this conversation. Forever. I mean, that, this we just discussed three days of the farm. Um, I've got so much more, but we'll, we'll, we'll do another one. Yeah, so we're off, <laughs> we're off the first time for our experience, but I think we're going in a very good direction. Mm. Um, how we meet Jose the day and how he introduces what they do. Yes. He never told me, listen, I have a, a 89 point El Puente 
um, that you have to taste. His first line to me was, so we bring in coffee from Colombia. I grew up in Colombia myself. And the farmers there are doing such amazing things. And I think that the world has a misrepresented perspective of what Colombian coffee can be. Exactly. And we want to bring what they are doing to people. Exactly. To and, the everyday people. And and I so, so love that. Because that, obviously, being somebody who is passionate about coffee and who can't influence that space, meeting somebody who can, who actually mm-hmm. goes to the farm. And you can actually check out their social media as well. Yeah, please um, do. How they go to farms, they connect with them, um, they meet the people themselves, they experiment on the farm with the guys as well. Mm. So they bring you that personal touch to it. That's it. And so they're putting that into practice. Um, and we obviously would love to one day go visit some of the farms in Ethiopia or Rwanda or... Rwanda um, for, like, I mean... Yes. I, love, I would definitely want to go see them with Tanahil. Um But yes, giving people the opportunity to connect to that part of coffee i think is a very good way to put um it into practice yes and we want to bring that to you guys so i can actually say now that very very soon uh, we will be recording actually a few episodes with jose himself from sabores uh, he's very excited or he says he's very excited to come on the show and share his experience of importing exporting growing up there and you know kind of bringing a bit of a spanish twist yeah because <laughs> he's he's now our spanish translator yeah um, he helps bring... me with pronunciation that i don't know <laughs> yes 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 even though he's really good at it um but yeah so we'll have him on the show very soon we're very excited about that to to bring something from that side of the hill literally as a practical thing where it was not just an experience of going to the farm once he actually grew up between those valleys yeah and so we want to bring you guys as much value as possible through this podcast. So if you have any questions, please run to our Instagram, uh, The Caffeine Community, pop us a message. We want to connect with you. If you want to be on the show, please let us know. We want you on the show. We, yes. This should bring value to everybody out there. It's, we don't know everything. We yeah. can't bring you all the value. We can only bring you the value that, that, that you know, other people share with us to share with you and um yes. so give us a shout give us some feedback we love the feedback and um yeah that brings us to end to the end of this episode yeah so may you go um may you connect to your coffee in a different way may that allow you to connect to people yes and to where it's from better and then when you now appreciate your cup not just for the flavor and you take that first sip of the day or the first thousandth sip (laughs) of the day may you find your happy place in every every single cup chat to you guys next episode cheers